In 2010, the novelist Anne Rice declared that she was leaving the church. In a Facebook post, she wrote, I quit being a Christian. I'm out. I remain committed to Christ, as always, but not to being Christian or being part of Christianity. It's simply impossible for me to belong to this quarrelsome, hostile, disputatious, and deservedly infamous group. Unfortunately, this is not an uncommon story. Many people have turned away from the church, from organized religion, because the church has failed them, wounded them, betrayed them, maybe even bored them. According to a Pew Research study, the Christian majority in the U.S. has been shrinking for decades. In 1972, about 90% of Americans identified themselves as Christians. 90%. <clears throat> As of 2020, that number has gone down to 64%. And it, this trend continues. It's projected that the Christian population could drop as low as 35% by 2070. Our world is changing. And there are a lot of reasons for this decline. But one thing that I want to talk about this morning is something that pertains to us. And that's how the church has acted sometimes in the past. How the church sometimes acts in the present Unfortunately, we often see a disconnect between who Jesus is and who we are as Christians. We don't always, I'm talking in general here, we don't always do a great job of truly representing Christ in an accurate and loving way. We don't always look like the Christ that we follow. There's, there's a powerful and very heartbreaking quote by Gandhi who's, who once said, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. In this new sermon series, Discovering Jesus as Friend, Teacher, uh, Savior, Lord, Way, and Presence, we're going to be looking at this question, who is Jesus really? And what does it mean to actually follow Jesus in our daily lives? Now, I think one of the best ways that we can answer these questions is by talking about how we experience Jesus as Christians. It's an opportunity for us to discover who Jesus is, what Jesus means to us, and how that makes an impact on our lives. So this morning we're kicking off our series by talking about how we experience Jesus as friend. Scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, <clears throat> verses 12 through 17. I invite you to stand as we hear God's word this morning. This is my commandment. <clears throat> love each other just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to give up one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because everything I heard from my father I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you could go and produce fruit and so that your fruit could last. As a result, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. I give you these commandments so that you can love each other. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <clears throat> Miss Marsha was my Sunday school teacher when I was a kid, and if you can't tell, Miss Marsha is the one on the right. Um, 
That's me in the overalls on the left. And Miss um, <clears throat> Marshall was an amazing Sunday school teacher because she used this advanced piece of technology called a felt board. And she would take these cloth figures and she'd put them up on that uh, felt board <clears throat> to talk about the different characters in the Bible. And she would tell us, um, children, all of these different stories uh, from the Bible. She tells the story of Jonah and the whale, of Noah and his ark, of David and Goliath. And of course she told us all about this infamous, this mysterious, this strange, this incredible character named Jesus. And I remember one of the most important lessons I learned from Miss Marsha was when she gathered all of us children around in a circle on the carpet, and she put a, a, that felt Jesus on that felt board, and she said, did you know that Jesus is your friend? Now, I'm not exactly sure how old Miss Marsha was, but as a small child, I was pretty sure she was somewhere around 100, maybe 200, somewhere in that you know, range. It was hard to tell, but she was old. But that also meant that she was wise. And so if Miss Marsha said something, you knew it was the gospel truth. And so when Miss Marsha told me that Jesus was my friend, well, that meant that Jesus was my friend. Now, for many of us, if you grew up in the church, this is one of the first things that we learn about Jesus, that Jesus is your friend. Like the old hymn says, what a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus is someone you can depend on. He's someone that you can trust. He has your best interest at heart. Jesus is your friend. <clears throat> and this idea of Jesus as friend might seem simplistic or juvenile or maybe even a little childish, but it's actually foundational to our understanding of who Jesus is and how we experience Jesus in our lives. In our scripture lesson this morning, Jesus identifies himself as a friend. He makes a point to call us his friends by saying, this is my commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Listen to that last line. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I'm not really sure what to make of that. It seems so conditional. You are my friends if you do this. Um, that doesn't really sound like a very good friend to me. You're my friend if you do what I say. But, but I love how Diana uh, Butler Bass talks about what this conditional friendship is really all about. In her book, Freeing Jesus, which I'm using kind of as the basic outline of this series, um, in that book she writes the following, friendship is contingent on love, real love, compassion, empathy, reaching out, going beyond what we imagine is possible. That is the command, love. And if we reach out in love, friendship is the result, even friendship with God. Friendship is mutual, a hand extended and another reaching back. Friendship is is this mutual love. It's based on reaching out to each other. It's a two-way street. It requires give and take. It's a shared experience. Being a friend is having someone to talk to, someone that you can count on, somebody that you enjoy spending time with. Have you ever had a friend like that? Have you ever had a friend that you could always count on? A friend that always had your back? A friend that you could tell your deepest Secrets, a friend that you could spend all of your time with and not get tired of them. Has anybody ever had a friend like that? 
true friendship is hard to come by. But it's one of the most wonderful gifts that we have in this world. And oftentimes it's hard, hard to have that kind of friendship, that lasting friendship, somebody that you can truly depend on. And it, it becomes more difficult and complicated when you get older. As a kid, it's, it seems a little bit easier. <clears throat> it's, it's a little bit easier to make friends than it is for us adults. Um, in August 19, or 2019, there was a picture of these two little boys that were uh, holding hands, and that picture went viral. These two boys right here. It was the beginning of the school year, and Connor was an eight-year-old autistic boy who was going to school for the very first time. <clears throat> and when he arrived at the school, he froze. He couldn't go inside. He, he stood there, and he started to cry. He became overwhelmed. He wasn't sure how he was going to cope how he could get inside that school building. He was scared, he was lost, he was alone. And just then, along comes this other kid named Christian, who walks up to Connor, never met him before, <clears throat> but saw that he was crying. And he grabbed his little hand, and together those two boys walked in that school. Connor later told a reporter about that experience, and he said, Christian was kind to me. I was in the first day of school. I started crying. <clears throat> then he helped me, and I was happy. Connor's mom said, Christian is Connor's first real friend. And then Christian's mom said, they have an inseparable bond. Connor and Christian find this amazing friendship in this moment of weakness for Connor, and in this moment of courage for Christian. It's this beautiful story about these two boys that find friendship at a, at a critical moment. And, and maybe you can relate to that story in some way. Maybe you can think of a time that you were in a similar, similar situation in your own life. Maybe you felt like Connor before. Maybe you felt lost and alone and scared. And you've needed somebody to come alongside you and hold your hand and help you through a difficult time in your life. Maybe you've experienced that. And maybe you've experienced um, being like Christian. Maybe you've taken a risk and gone up to a stranger or gone up to somebody that needed a friend and walked alongside them, that grabbed that person's hand and helped them through a difficult time in their life. And I think that's the kind of friendship that Jesus calls us to. Jesus calls us to reach out to others in this type of friendship where we help each other out in our difficult moments in life. Jesus tells us to reach out in friendship. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you could go and produce fruit and so that your fruit could last. I give you these commandments so that you can love each other. Jesus tells us to go bear fruit, to help others in need, to share good things in people's lives and to love each other. Jesus is our friend so that we can go out and be a friend to others. And Jesus models this friendship with his disciples, with his followers. Jesus uh, loves these disciples and teaches them what it means to love. And Jesus does that for us as well. As uh, Diana Butler Bass says, Jesus befriends us, opening our hearts to genuine love and the capacity to forgive each other, welcome all, and act justly in the world. 
Friendship with Jesus may begin on the playground in the Sunday school class while wandering in the woods or pretty much anywhere, but it becomes an adventure, a journey, as the relationship grows and changes over a lifetime. Inclusive friendship is modeled for us through the life and ministry of Jesus. He was a friend to everyone. For example, his best friends, the 12 disciples, were a group of ragtag individuals. Most of them were smelly fishermen. But within that friend group, there's also a tax collector named Matthew who had worked to benefit the Roman government. And there was also Simon the Zealot who had actively plotted against the Roman government and tried to overthrow it through violent means. So we have Matthew the tax collector and Simon the Zealot who could not have been more different. They were diametrically opposed foes. And yet, they both had this mutual friend in Jesus. They were both able to to put aside their differences and work together because they loved Jesus and they wanted to follow him. I think that's such an important lesson for us to learn today. When, When our churches are splitting over differing opinions, when family members are feuding, when people are unfriending each other on social media left and right, the division that we see in our world today is there. We see it all the time. We are so divided as human beings, but Jesus has this way of uniting us. Jesus has this way of bringing people together from all walks of life because Jesus is for everyone. In the Gospels, Jesus is accused of being a friend to tax collectors and to sinners Jesus is accused of spending too much time with the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Jesus is friends with men and women, rich and poor, old and young. Jesus opens his arms and offers friendship to everyone, to all people, from all walks of life. How might we embody that kind of friendship? Reaching out to others, people who don't look like us and think like us and act like us, believe like us. How can we reach out to those folks and share the love of Christ? In our scripture, Jesus talks about another important concept of friendship. He says, no one has greater love than to give one's life for one's friends. And I think there's one way to interpret that. It is to say, literally giving your life for a friend. But if you're in this room today, you've probably not had that opportunity to give up your own life to help a friend, literally. But I think there's other ways that we can interpret that passage as well. We don't often have that that opportunity. But there's a lot of ways that we can lay down our lives for the sake of friendship. For example, I think we're called to lay down our selfishness. I think we're called to lay down our isolation and our independence and our stubbornness. I think we're called to give up our selfish wants and desires in the name of friendship. My favorite television show of all time is The West Wing. Um, It's an older show, maybe you've seen it. Um, But there's this great episode called Noel, and in that episode, the White House Chief of Staff, Leo McGarry, is talking to um, another uh, person, uh, Josh Lyman, and he tells this story. He says, this guy's walking down the street, and he falls into a hole. And the walls are so steep, he can't get out. 
And along comes a doctor. And the man yells up and he says, hey, doc, I'm stuck down here in this hole. Can you help me out? The doctor writes out a prescription and throws it down in the hole, walks on. Then along comes a priest and the guy shouts up, hey, father, I'm stuck down here in this hole. Can you help me out? Well, the priest writes out a prayer, throws it down in the hole and walks on. Then a friend comes by. And the man shouts up and he says, hey, Joe, I'm stuck down here in this hole. Can you help me out? Well, Joe jumps down in the hole. <laughs> the guy says, what are you doing? Now we're both stuck in this hole. And Joe says, yeah, but I've been down here before, and I know the way out. Are we willing to jump down in the hole? I think we're far more willing to be like the priest and say, oh, I'll, I'll offer you a prayer. We're more likely to be like the doctor and say, hey, I... There's this great medical treatment, or why don't you try these pills? But sometimes we need to jump down in the hole. And I'm saying this as much to you as, as I'm saying it to me. How can we as a church truly enter into people's lives? Jesus exemplifies what it means to be a friend by giving up his life for us. As Jesus once said, no greater love than this than to give up one's life one's friends. Jesus loves us enough that he humbled himself, walked alongside us in the flesh. Jesus loves us enough that he stooped down to our level and came in human form. Jesus loves us enough to take the punishment of our sin. Jesus jumped down in the hole and he showed us the way out. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Loving God, call us together as your people, as friends. Transform us with your love. Transform our hearts so that we may generously love you and your people. Transform our eyes so that we may see your grace. Transform our hands so that we may serve others. And transform our spirits so that we may be the body of Christ. As your people, we are gathered here to worship and we are sent out to serve. You have been a friend to us, so help us to go out and be a friend to others. Amen.